Hello, hello. Welcome to the Eddie Conversation Podcast. My name is Eddie V. Hill and I am your host. I am a filmmaker living in Los Angeles, California. This is episode number 57. Joining me today is Allie Griffin Vingiano. Hello, thank you for having me. Yes, thanks for being here. Lovely. I'm going to do a little brief intro. Okay. Super brief. And this is, I like to go to people's social medias and, and see how people describe themselves. So, so like you have yourself described as a writer, a filmmaker, actor is your, your trio there. Yep. That's <laughs> yeah. it. <laughs> you, yeah. you read it right. <laughs> and, um, I don't know. I, I could list. Okay. You also, I know as of late, um, You've also been, uh, you, you've you been noting the yoga background, the yoga oh, instructor yes. background. That's true. I'm doing writing and yoga retreats. Yes. So I, I, um, I am a yoga instructor, but I actually don't teach the yoga portion of the retreats. I focus on the writing and I get a more dedicated yoga. I mean, I do a little bit of the yoga on the retreats, but, or I'm planning to, but I'm also bringing in like an incredible teacher who will do right. most of those. Right. So I'm definitely more of the, on the writing side of that. Yeah. Yeah. Noted. Noted. Well, but, but, <laughs> go for sorry, it, go I for realized it. I, I didn't know. No, no, no. That's, that's fair. I'm, yes. Well, yeah, we'll dig, we'll dig in, we'll, we'll, dig, into we'll dig into that okay. in, in hour three of the show. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess just to clarify too for people, um, the as a writer, your most recent credit that people would recognize is of uh, the morning show Apple TV's uh, season one and two, if I'm correct on that. That is correct. Lovely, great. Okay, where do we start? Because I know I want to talk to you about a lot of things. I also want to re ground myself in our interactions too based on i believe because we met pre-pandemic very briefly right before the pandemic Mm -hmm. we met at i think a film independent director's close-up great and um i think it was february 2020 um and because i know director's close-up i'm doing it now it's i do i've done it for the past three or four years it's Mm. january to march typically um so we met sometime between january and march right before the pandemic hit oh my gosh okay great i'm glad and then we became we just followed each other on (laughs) instagram i think yeah yeah i thought you were gonna go somewhere else with that (laughs) and then we became best friends no (laughs) No. we didn't become best friends we haven't seen each other since then (laughs) but we became acquaintances on and and social media friends yes and i will say i guess very quickly too um that i think i i reached out to you last year as well i mean just social media wise that you were you were the one this the social media is so weird like instagram i know okay last year because there's the the end of us you you acted starred in the end of us feature film that you that was that's a whole thing too okay um when you posted about that i was going through uh because 2020 was a thing as we all know i was my creative spark was missing and i was kind of just like in uh just survival mode, I guess, just trying to go day by day. And I didn't really have the energy to um, 
create and I didn't have the ambition to and all that stuff. But for some reason, your description of, because uh, you posted about the South by Southwest acceptance of the end of us and you had a nice little thing, which I don't normally see from creatives of you had a nice description of like what it, what you guys did to make the thing and that description like re sparked my my uh creative and pushed me to make my feature last year that's so um, cool i'm so happy to hear that yeah so thank you yes it, it uh <laughs> i feel like making anything in 2020 i i felt compelled to share how we made it because it was such a hard time to create anything and the reality is now that the pandemic it the guide you know it's eased up a little bit but it's still so hard to actually go and create something you have to put so much into it and believe in yourself so much and Mm -hmm. it's hard yeah always yes okay so with all that being said as our foundation moving forward i do want to talk about the multi-hyphenate aspect of uh you and how um is that where I want to start? And then <laughs> Go for it. It was your instinct. It Let's was my instinct. Okay, so writer, mm-hmm. filmmaker, actor. In the end of us, because I okay, I, I guess just to clarify, I did watch the I did watch the film, and I, so I do. I can talk a little bit more specifically on what was involved in that and stuff. Sure. Uh, on that one, you were okay. I was an actor on that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. You were an actor. Jeez. All right. I'm thinking about a lot of things here. So, yeah, you guys wrote that. You guys built that base out of an outline. So, you were acting in it, but you were also using a lot of the writer brain stuff to get through that. I mean, I didn't write it. Like, you know, it was written by Stephen Cantor and Henry Lovner, who mm-hmm. were the directors and cinematographers and sound engineers. And, you know, they made the whole film. But... um. It was written from an outline. So, you know, they brought me an outline and I was I gave them some initial feedback on what I thought and they incorporated what they wanted. But it's not like I was a writer on it. So they were, like, you know, it's not like I was like, we need to have this. I just gave them my perspective and we improvised so much of the film. So a huge part of it was waking up every day and being like, OK, what did we shoot yesterday? What do we need to shoot today? And then being like, okay, this scene is like, you guys are going to get into a fight about this, and then you're going to bring up this thing. And then, you know, so we would really improvise based on those points, that those story points we needed to hit. So I used a lot of my writer brain in terms of, like, improvising the dialogue and also um, getting the story to actually move forward. A lot of times with improv, you can just get mm-hmm, stuck on, like, mm-hmm. a joke. But because I do have such a writer brain and I'm so story-focused, I think it was easier for me to be like, okay, what what story point do we need to get out of the film and how can everything build to that point rather than just bullshitting some, you know, jokes? Yeah. So um, I think writing for and my writer brain was uh, so crucial to, like, being able to act and being able to perform well in that film and being able to help with um, building the story. But mm-hmm. I um, I didn't write it. Yeah, yeah, understood. Okay, so when I, th- when I was watching it, okay, I just, I'm going to build a framework for people that aren't more unfamiliar with the yeah, movie absolutely. too really quick. So my understanding is this was semi-early in 2020 pandemic living where I feel like it was summer of 2020 or late That's summer. Or, okay. And it was 
two weeks in an Airbnb with four creatives, including you. Five. Yeah. Five. Yeah. Okay. Great. Mm-hmm. So I was watching it. And I didn't really know what to expect. I know I'd seen the trailer and I'd seen your posts. And like one of the biggest things that stood out to me was like how many moments were captured, like how many little scenes. And like I I uh, was tasked with directing like a seven day feature last year. And I know that i mean i pushed the producer on like i'm not gonna go over the 12 hour thing i'm if we're gonna if you're asking for this i'm gonna keep it within you know i'm not not gonna overwork the team and all that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff um was a big thing on my side so what we ended up doing was like huge chunk scenes it was like 15 minute scenes very long dialogue bits so when i watched this knowing the two-week structure I was expecting a lot more lengthy scenes, but it was just, there was so much happening and so many little bits. So that was crazy. And I don't know what that was like to, yeah, how, how is my how question? How did we do that? How? Well, you know, it seems like you were running your set like you wanted to follow IOTC <laughs> rules and you wanted to like, you know, we were five friends who had all worked together at BuzzFeed. I'd improvised and made sh- films with Ben before my co-star, Ben Coleman. I'd been directed by Stephen and Henry. I'd been, you know, I had definitely worked with Claudia. You know, she'd acted in stuff I'd done. Um, I think she might have directed something I, I was in. I might have direct. I definitely directed her, actually. Um, so we'd all worked together before. And we were willing to do whatever it took. So we weren't wrapping after 12 hours. You yeah. know, we were, I will say we didn't start, like we would wake up at like eight and I would go, I ran a mile every morning just to get my blood flowing. And, you know, then we'd sit down and they'd have coffee and they'd discuss the, what we were going to get that day. We didn't someday start shooting, start shooting until 10, but we shot until 10, 11, midnight. We, you know, um, we did work really fast, you know, like Henry and Steven are, are just so good and they can work really fast. And mm-hmm. we hardly did any, um, you know, there wasn't excessive lighting. I think we had like an LED panel or, or and like a um, a couple LED panels and like, I forget what else. And may, yeah, I don't even think we had a ring light, but we did a lot of natural lighting. Um, and I will say we shot two weeks in an Airbnb and then the... Um, exteriors of like walking throughout LA like what we shot like um, a lot, some of the driving scenes some of the um, scenes of like when I'm with Derek de Blasius who plays Tim and we're like walking his dog those we shot outside of the two weeks okay. so I think there are probably like 25 shoot days in general someday might just be oh let's go pick up that shot in Echo Park today um, and it wasn't as regimented as like most film sets where it's like, here's your days in, here's your days out. Here's our wrap date. Here's this. We have all these extras. Like it was very much just like getting friends together to show up for each other. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, a little bit more piecemealed and yeah, absolutely. No, for sure. Been there. Yeah. And it was so collaborative. We all felt so much power over it that it wasn't like them being like, hey, guys, like, are you willing to do this? It would be like me or – I mean, they would say that too, but me or Ben as 
often would be like, we want to do another take of this or like, we want to get this shot, you know? So it was Mm -hmm. all of us feeling empowered to like make whatever we could and make it the best way we could. And, um, I think that's how it happened. For sure. (laughs) That sounds about right. And I love that as well. I guess, I guess more of my, uh, I I wasn't really thinking, I'm, cause I'm, I'm, I'm non-union, I I work in non-union world, non-union land still. Which I mean, which, uh, which is fine. I'm through. Okay, I'm just gonna say I've lived in LA for three years. I'm you know working my way up and all that kind of stuff. But um, I know for me, thinking like it's mostly uh, like I want to sleep, like I want my downtime and my recovery thing. But like I, I also get the the full passion. It's almost like you're running on adrenaline with just a group, and you just yeah, which I totally get, and I would love to experience that. But I. I'm also stubborn about like, my yeah. yeah. So it's a weird combo I mean, of. It just depends. Surviving like, for us, it was running on adrenaline, and like you know, we were sleeping enough like that. I didn't feel. I mean, I felt exhausted, and it was exhausting, but I didn't feel like sleep deprived. Like I wasn't. Um, I've yeah. I, I it wasn't like there were worse days on like morning show when we were shooting splits and overnights. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the end of the day, like if you're shooting seven days on something, like that's nothing. Right. So it's like, you cannot sleep for seven days, but someone else is like, if I'm not sleeping for seven days, I can't show up. My brain's not working. I'm not living, you know, fulfilling my potential as a director. So I think it really just depends on who you are and the circumstances. And I can go into the horrible, um, you know, hours and work conditions for, film crews um you know these huge studios making millions of dollars off the backs of people who they're forcing to work 16 hour days at minimum wage like that's evil five friends in an airbnb willing to shoot for 16 hours because they're having fun and fucking around like that's a different you know situation 100 percent. lovely yes okay great i'm trying okay i'm trying you got me all stressed out. About... Why are you stressed? No, no, no. I've gotten you no. stressed. I do not take responsibility <laughs> for that, my dude. No, it's a, a, a pseudo <laughs> semi joke about the. I was talking about how I don't really edit the thing. So oh. then I'm like thinking about how I'm not going to edit this. And I'm stumbling and whatever. It's not. It's not your fault. Okay. It's not your fault. It's all right. So <laughs> take it. Take a deep breath. Let's do a deep meditative breath. Okay. Breathe in for four. Hold it for four and then breathe out for six. Okay. You want to do, do it? Yeah, yeah. Let's okay. do it. Okay, ready? Okay, breathe in for four. Okay. Hold it for four. Breathe out for six through your mouth. Great. We've recentered centered ourselves. <laughs> recentered. I agree. All right. Um, how was it, um, cause I don't feel like I know much about this aspect of it. So after you g- reading, uh, getting accepted into South by mm-hmm. was a whole thing. How, were you involved in any capacity on post stuff? Like, I, yeah, no, I wasn't. And I didn't even really understand how intense that process was um, until I talked to Henry Lovner, our director, about it and, and Stephen and just like all of the QC stuff they had to do and all of the um, deliverables. And mm-hmm. it just seemed like a really intense process. 
I was not involved in it at all. I didn't even know what festivals we submitted to. I got a FaceTime. It was either my birthday or the day before my birthday. And they were like, we got into South by. And I was like, amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was that was my full contribution was being <laughs> excited when I got the FaceTime. Okay. So when when it did get it, because it went to multiple festivals. Mm-hmm. Uh, South by was a premier event. Yeah. Um, and then there was also a... Uh, 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 I went to theaters as well mm-hmm. um, for like a one day, one day special. A week. Well, a one week. Okay, great. How was it for you? Because the dream. Okay, let me recontextualize as well. Your dream. Can we come back to you and your dream? Sure. So, um, you were acting in, the, in this project. Uh, this was your first feature lead role. How was it? for you having a project that you acted in get the eyeballs on it and you start seeing reviews about the performances and that sort of thing what was what was that like it was amazing i mean i um it was just it was it was a dream come true and it was it was one of those moments that made me um just believe in myself more and i was like oh my god i i acted in a movie at the time it just felt like we were making something because we were bored in quarantine and maybe nobody would ever see it, but we still felt really creatively fulfilled by it. And that fulfillment was sort of the end goal. Mm-hmm. That sort of felt like if this is all I get out of the project, I will be satisfied. Mm-hmm. So when it did get into South by and when people were watching it and when we were getting Ben and I, Ben Coleman and I were getting praised on our performances and our chemistry and, um, it you know how natural it felt and all that stuff it felt really rewarding and it just felt like icing on the cake and um and the negative reviews also just felt like it didn't really there there were negative reviews too of the film and Mm. um those also didn't really feel like they mattered because it felt like yeah but we made a fucking movie like and that was the end goal like um so it was it was a really interesting process like just seeing it come out and seeing how i reacted to it and um but it was incredible and it felt good Mm -hmm. that's great yeah because i know i don't know what it's like to be on camera for that extended period of time and having having uh that kind of review process go down on that more intimate side of the of the creation because like you have the you have a full filmmaking background Mm -hmm. so and i know you've been in front of the camera before and you've been seen before in different in different ways um weirdly it feels less intimate to me if i had written and directed it it would have been so much harder i think to accept a negative review um but just acting in it it felt Mm -hmm. this freedom of like well i just acted in it and like i i i felt like I was good in it and I and I I know that I was good in it and like there's of course moments where I'm like oh, I should have done this or that moment isn't I that's a bad moment or this isn't I don't like that take but ultimately I um also had enough compassion for myself where I was like I am not a trained actor I hadn't acted in years I was showing up and doing my best and that's I felt like I that's what I did I did the best I could do I'm not claiming to be Meryl Streep I'm just a girl who used to be in BuzzFeed videos and now, yeah. you know I'm I'm try I'm trying to act in a feature and um so it felt sorry almost less pressure to me than mm-hmm. 
I think, had I had a different role in the film. So it is really vulnerable, though. I was shocked at how vulnerable acting is, especially acting in a feature when you're in so many scenes and you have to be so present and you have to give so much of yourself. It was an extremely vulnerable experience. Um, but it was also a lot very freeing. Yeah. And seeing the movie come out was also very freeing. And um, it really made me take acting more seriously. Like I signed up for an acting class and I was like, okay, I'm going to get an acting manager and I'm going to try to consider this in a way where before it was just something I stumbled into. And now it's something that I discovered I have a lot of joy doing. And it's a very um, incredible creative opportunity, I think. Yeah, no, that sounds about right. No, that makes sense. That that tracks for sure. Like thinking about the directing and the producing and the the whole when the when the project comes out, you as the actor can say, well, you know, the premise wasn't my idea. <laughs> you know, this yeah, right? like I didn't yeah. I I didn't choose the pacing of the edit. I didn't score this thing. I didn't and like you're you, yeah, a hundred percent. Like there's just less ownership over it. Mm-hmm. It's just like. I showed up and I, I did improvise. I did write some of the dialogue, but like ultimately it's not it was in my service, baby. Yeah. Um, and when I've written and directed things that I've released, I have had full on panic attacks, you know, because you're, it is, it's part of you and, and it, it feels like it's part of you in that moment. And so sharing it, the wor- sharing it with the world is a very special type of vulnerability um, and it's important and it's very rewarding, but it is different than acting in somebody else's creation. Yeah. Yes, it's scary putting stuff out there. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> no, but no. It's where a lot of people stop. It's where people get stuck. You know, mm-hmm. that's why a lot of people never make it. Well, because I like what you said about the acting. Well, you kind of, the way that you had treated this project specifically was it was fulfilling just to make the thing. The process of making it, it was already a win. So anything beyond it, whether it got even out of post, you know, whatever the thing was, like, that's all. You co- you called it, to- what you, would you say, frosting? <laughs> I was icing thinking, on the cake? <laughs> icing. I was thinking gravy for some reason. <laughs> gravy on the mashed potatoes. <laughs> yeah. Same so, thing. <laughs> so it's gravy. It's an additional bonus points, yes. potentially. And how rare is that, right? Like so often the process is horrible and the process you dread and um, not showing up to set, but like the pre-production and like the, you know, like you're like, oh my God, like this, you know, once you're in a place where you're like, this isn't going to be worth it unless this is a success, you know that you've sort of lost. Um, You know, like I just feel like you, if it doesn't have that energy in it, that excitement, it's, it's. Maybe it does come out on the other side being some masterpiece. Um, I just got that book about how Mad Max Fury Road was created because apparently it's like such an insane story and maybe that's an example. But uh, for the most part, I feel like the projects that I'm in where the experience is not enjoyable, not the f- the the final creative destination, like the final uh, where I'm not able to fully enjoy the process, then the final product is always harmed. And if you are just able to look at it, like how great I get two weeks to show up on set and do whatever I can. And like, this is the goal. I do think it uh, also is very good for your mental health because you can't just be living, waiting for people to approve of the final product. Yeah. Great. Uh, I, well, that, I was going to say advice. I don't know if that was advice, but that was great. <laughs> it's just like the way yeah. that I try to think of 
my work, I think, because this industry is so based on external validation and you're always waiting for someone's approval and you're always waiting for someone to give you a yes. And, you know, so I think trying to focus as much as you can on the actual process and not the outcome is so key Mm -hmm. to avoiding massive depression and anxiety. (laughs) Yeah, we don't, we don't want that. (sighs) Great. So you mentioned this so you mentioned oh, depression and anxiety. Tell me more. So you mentioned depression and anxiety. Let's talk about it. No. I, we, okay. <laughs> what I was going to say is you talked about how this project um, kind of uh, gave new confidence in the pursuit of the acting, solely acting. Uh, had you... I don't believe you had you pursued acting solely to act before, right? You have so. Uh, I saw. Is this still the case? I know <laughs> I went through your through your Instagram. Mm-hmm. I didn't go too far. I saw you had a post that said. Uh, I think there was a trend going around where people were show, posting old headshots, and you had like a piece of paper, and it says, "I don't have a headshot on it." So is that, do you still not have a headshot? <laughs> this is a great question. Um, yes, I did post that, I remember. And I I, I have a headshot now. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. I didn't take it for acting. I took oh, it. Oh, doesn't count then. Because a friend of mine, Katie McCurdy, is a genius photographer. Um, and she is like family. She's my brother's partner. And... Um, she took my picture because I was like, I need new pictures for like, like South by was coming up Mm -hmm. and just to use for myself for interviews or for, so I um, posted, you know, I posted on my Instagram and I've been using that as my headshot, but it's not an actual proper Mm -hmm. acting headshot. So Mm -hmm. I do need to probably get a headshot done again. (laughs) Okay. Or for the first time. Yeah. Cause I was curious on going, going back to, um, you your your start into the creative film industry and all that kind of stuff has the was it in the back of your mind that you that act you're hoping acting you're gonna find your way to acting at some point is that something you've been looking for or how does how yeah I think yes like I I I loved acting when I was younger I did musical theater camp I did a play in college I did UCB after college and so I was performing improv um And I was acting in sketch videos that I was just making on my own. And then I went to BuzzFeed and I was acting in those too. So I always loved acting. I felt confident acting. I had fun acting and performing in general. And whether it was doing sketch or improv or stand-up or like whatever I was doing at the moment. Um, But writing and producing always just was what was getting me there. I was writing sketches Mm -hmm. with friends and so we were acting in them and I was producing and I knew how to direct and I knew how to edit so I could shoot something and, you know, release it. And it was those tools that really made acting possible. And of course, everything learning at UCB and having a community and a stage to perform on and all of that as well. But, um, so it always felt like something that I would do in some capacity Mm -hmm. or wanted to, to, um, end up performing in, in some capacity. Um, once I got staffed on morning show and it was such a huge commitment, I sort of just thought acting would be over and I would be a TV writer forever. And the end of us was such a nice respark of this mm-hmm. love and joy that I have for, for performing. And 
of course, now that I do have writing and producing and directing tools, uh, it does set me up even better where it's like, okay, great. Now I want to like write something for myself and, you know, to act in and I can try to either pitch that to networks or shoot something on my own. And so, you know, I'm not yet in the process of shooting something on my own, but I do feel like that would be Mm -hmm. the eventual goal is to continue performing in some way, but it's never going to be the main pursuit or the only thing I'm pursuing. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. So in the, in the very beginning, (laughs) when you talk about, uh, doing the UCB classes and writing and producing the, to kind of put you and your friends in a position to be creating stuff. Was that, um, out of, necessity for you to be in front of the camera or like was was there other people around that also wanted to be producer directors or was like no like was it a was it a landscape where nobody was stepping up to be the one that was going to make something happen so you raised your hand and you're like I'll put this together for us or how did like how did that come to I don't know yeah I mean I, the first thing I ever made that I remember releasing, because I'd made some stuff that I didn't release, but, um, was I was in a sketch class with my friend Paul, Gail, and he was like, had this idea. He was like, oh, it was like when him or her, the Spike Jones film, her came out and he was like, just like reference to me, like, it, like, oh, like Spike, like her accepted Seth Rogen's voice. And like, he just had that idea. And I was like oh, let's do it. Let's film it. Because I like had studied film in school production. I knew how to produce and direct and edit. And, um, and so we were like, okay, let's, and he had a camera. So we were like, let's just do it. So we like stole some shots and some diners in New York city and we filmed some stuff in my brother's apartment. And I acted in it because I was our idea and we had no money and I was not, I'm still watching that video and I'm like, God, I was so bad at acting. It was the first thing I ever did. And I was so scared to be in front of the camera. I was like, now I'm performing, but, um, And so we just did it because we were like, let's try it. And then it got like hundreds of thousands of views overnight. It was written about in like Gawker and like Huffington Post. And that was the moment where I was like, oh, my God, like we just did this. We literally spent no money on it. We did in like a week and it's like blowing up. And that was sort of what gave me the idea that I could really do this and Mm -hmm. I could try. And then I formed a, a sketch group with some friends at UCB and we recorded, we together all made videos. So we would, one person would direct, one person would edit, one person would, um, we would all act in them. And Mm -hmm. then we released some of those and one of those like got a lot of views on Funny or Die and that sort of helped keep propelling. And then I made X's and that was because I just wrote it and I wanted to make it. And so it was never out of necessity. It was out of desire. And mm-hmm. I asked my friend TJ Misney to direct it, who's a genius. And he did. And I produced it and acted in it. And that um, got a Vimeo staff pick. And that also got hundreds of thousands of views. And that was the the real thing I made that um, sort of started my career. Okay. Was that piece? I'm realizing the question was, was this out of necessity or, desi- or, <laughs> well, or no, why you, did you do it? No, so I'm, I'm just... No, you answered it, okay. I believe. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because I, I guess I forget the, the film school element, too, because I think about the, the poli-sci background. Um, well, I didn't go to film school. I just learned... You had a film minor, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I guess that's what I mean. The f- I, 
Yeah. I did know, I did learn how to do some basic stuff in school. Right. You know, I certainly didn't go to film school, but I knew how to hold a camera. I knew how to, you know, do the basic, not break the line and do the right eye, you know. um, Process 101, yeah. Yeah, and I knew how to edit. So I knew those basic skills that could get me um, that basically I knew exactly enough to make something like that's it. Like I couldn't, (laughs) I couldn't have done like, I probably wasn't in a position. I mean, I, I I don't know. I don't know though. I actually think maybe I could have done like, if I'd stopped to submit things to festivals, I think I probably could have done that. It's just that I didn't think to do it. The internet was like, I was intimidated by it too. And the internet was sort of just like the. Yeah. You were killing it on the internet. The it sounds like. Free, so, yeah, like, no, for just sure. Throw it up there and find out if you're good or not. Cause I didn't know if I was good. And I think if you go to film school, you like have this inherent confidence of like knowing you're good. And I sort of had to find out by putting stuff out there. Mm-hmm. It was sort of like just needed that a approval or like needed to know that I had a chance because I didn't come from a world or a background in which I ever thought I would have a chance in entertainment. Yeah, I kind of like that approach more so. That sounds nicer. Well, yeah, because I mean, getting air quotes approval from by by the views coming in and people loving the thing and it's more it's a it's a wider wider spread scope of uh, of eyeballs on it versus like the film festival acceptance is like six people watched it and they gave a thumbs up versus a hundred thousand people. I don't, yeah, I mean it's it's kind of cool. That's all. No, that's yeah. No, thank you. I mean it's interesting because there was definitely a time where I was like, oh, I'm not like getting the street cred I need. I'm not getting the <laughs> South by and the Sundance street and the cred. you know I'm not getting the right people to approve of this to get me the jobs that I'm going to need. But there's so many different paths and so many different ways to get to where you want to go. And um, I think the internet is a really cool democratized place, or at least it used to be And for, for filmmakers. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that exists anymore. I mean, it does if you're like a TikTok or, com- you know, person or a comedian, but I do think for filmmakers, it's not what it used to be. Yeah. I'm having flashbacks to the similarities in my in my start with like because I came I didn't you were in New York I was in Reno I didn't study film in any capacity in in college but uh like I did a similar thing with the community where we did like little improv days and we did we made short films and we did a lot of that stuff and we put them up on the like on YouTube and stuff. And I'm thinking about like, I was happy if like, oh, we got a hundred views on this one. <laughs> Somebody watched it. <laughs> so I'm like, ooh, a hundred thousand sounds kind of scary too. I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't, this is, feels a little bit more real. Yes. That's, that's it's yeah. scary. I mean, even reading the comments and people judging the way I looked or my acting or saying this isn't funny or, you know, there were terrifying moments of just reading comments but when we made that her video like Seth Rogen no Judd Apatow followed me on Twitter and he reached out to me and he was like such funny work like Mm. great job and a couple other people reached out to me so that was more validating than the people who said I was stupid or my acting was bad or it wasn't funny or whatever I was like yeah it was a way to learn that you're never going to make something that everybody likes yeah so you just have to keep going and yeah. Um, but I have made things that have like 50 million views on YouTube and those are really terrifying um, and very vulnerable and scary. But 
you have to get over it. I'm still working at getting over it. Mm -hmm. There's something inherent in artists where we don't want to be seen. Like we want to make our work and then we want no one to watch it. Um, And it's hard to get over that. Yeah. So is the, for, (laughs) as advice for, for those that are getting 50 million views on YouTube or hundreds of thousands of views, what's the, uh, for uh, how, what what is there like a what not to do thing? Because I know, uh, is it just like do you just is it best to, to avoid even just because you you don't have to, we don't have to look and read reviews when when the South by people read our stuff or we don't have to go on YouTube and scroll through comments endlessly, um, or maybe it's best to sprinkle. I don't know. It's how do. I mean, I don't know either. Right, mm-hmm. like. I think it's better not to read reviews probably, um, but I think it's really hard and I think chances are you're going to read them. I think it's better not to read comments, but in reality, I think you probably are going to read them if you have mm. if you have them. So I think just it's the process of learning that it's okay if not everybody likes you or approves of you. It's okay if you um, if somebody hates a thing you made. It's, it's just, not it's ideal, just opinion. but it's, it's opinion, yeah, right? I think it's the constant process of valuing your own opinion and trusting yourself. And, um, I, I don't know. I mean, if you have it with you, within you to not engage, then by all means, do not engage. You'll be happier for it. Noted. <laughs> but I will say I've also made things like when I saw him again, I made this short film and it's more serious, you know, it's not, it's not a comedy. And so many of the comments were people reaching out to me saying things like, thank you for making this. I've never seen myself in a video like so well represented or um, I went through the same thing that this character went Mm. through and this made me feel less alone. So like all of those comments are so rewarding and anytime that you can engage in like a review or reading comments or getting an email with someone whose work, who's seen your work and has been moved by it, I think that for me has always made any other negative comments seem so much less important. And um, so I do think comments do have value. And I think being able to engage in an audience directly has value. And that's part of why the internet, putting work on the internet is special. Like even if it's Vimeo and other filmmakers reaching out to you or whatever it is. So, yeah, I know. I know it means a lot to, uh, you know, the pursuit of living as a human in this world is normally, our, uh, the objective is to either, you know, kind of be seen or be heard and that, that sort of core human value. <laughs> so in the internet age with reaching out to somebody that, that made a video that makes you feel seen, mm-hmm. it is an additional, again, bonus points opportunity to, like, if you did respond to them, that's another, like, felt seen again. Absolutely. Which I know from my experience, because I don't, I don't do the reaching out to creatives too often. I mean, we're doing it right now. Yeah. But um, I know on occasion, I don't use Twitter much at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes I'll watch a movie and I'll be like, oh, I want to really tweet at the writer because I cried at the end and I really felt that movie. So I'll send a tweet. And then when they leave a little heart on it, I'm like, oh, my gosh, they saw my tweet. Totally. Absolutely. So that always, it always feels good. And I hope that on the other yeah. end that they were like, oh. Absolutely, yeah, and I always try to respond whenever someone reaches out because of uh, something I've made, mm-hmm. and have had some really meaningful interactions with people through that. Love it, love it. It's nice. 
writing. It's hard. <laughs> okay, so um, let's two hours, <laughs> two hours. <laughs> so let's let's connect the dots here. Let's connect the dots here. I'm teasing him because he told me this is going to be two hours, and <laughs> and we're we're struggling. We're to only see how it's we're only possible. five minutes in oh, so no. far. So. Um, I clearly talk a lot, so that's be. great. That's great. So writing, okay. You mentioned that this one short film you made kind of you you credited it to starting your career. I think is what you just said. Um, does that? Are you talking about the? Where did? I guess how did you learn your writing, and how did where did how did you go from making these shorts and plopping them places to? Uh, being a staffed writer on uh, the on the cool show is that that's long that's a big question I don't know maybe it's I feel like you, yeah <clears throat> so just the trajectory of my writing yeah essentially writer alley and how that how that happened yeah um because writing's hard writing is hard um I mean I always loved writing I was writing screenplays and when I was a teenager and I was <clears throat> um you know, in high school, very, uh, took all the English classes. I took two AP English classes, so I could not take math my senior year, <laughs> um, which I desperately need because I'm so bad at math now. But um, when, it, so so you're right, that X is, that film sort of, I, I do credit it as sort of kickstarting my career in a way, mm -hmm. but I yeah. was writing before that. I was writing, um, you, you know, trying to write web series and I wrote, you know, the, the hymn video and, um, with Paul and I wrote some other sketches and I took sketch writing classes at UCB and I was writing sketches, um, and put on a sketch show actually at the people's improv theater. And so I was engaging in writing. Right. X's was the first thing I wrote that really garnered some acclaim, like the Vimeo staff pick made me feel like I had the stamp of approval, not only from, you know, the viral viral video community, but from like the filmmaking community. And I was yeah. like, okay, I can like, I want to take this more seriously. Um, and from there I was hired by Glamour Magazine to write a web series for them. And by this other website at the time, Elite Daily to write a, you know, write for them. And then BuzzFeed Video hired me and I moved to LA. I was writing at the time actually as a journalist at BuzzFeed News. So I, I totally forgot that that's an completely other type of writing I was engaged in. That's I was a journalist. A little bit different. Yes, I was a journalist. Um, and I went basically to quit my job as a reporter and to go and be a video producer. And they sent me to LA to work for the BuzzFeed video team and sort of help build that up because it was early days. Um, and at BuzzFeed Video, I was able to sort of write whatever I wanted, mostly sketch comedy videos. Mm -hmm. And then eventually, the longer I was there, the more I sort of started challenging that and writing more sort of dramatic short films and dramedy short films and um, really pushing the boundaries, I think, of what a BuzzFeed video could look like. And probably, I'm assuming, to mix it up for yourself, too. Yeah, because well, you just get bored making yeah. the same thing. You know, it wasn't like, I want to push BuzzFeed, you know, into, into long-form content because I care about this company diversifying their narrative video. It was like, I want to write this short film, and so I have the means to do it. I'm going to go do it, and I'm going to make it. Um and it was really – and one of those – when I saw him again, I made that with Stephen Cantor, who shot it, who made The End of Us. And mm -hmm. 
um, it was really there that I got really into making, you know, writing. I started writing pilots. Um, I started thinking about writing as a really special tool um, and one that the one that felt the most natural for me. Yeah. And then and then through that, too, like I know there are different ways to study the craft. I mean, because like you're doing the workshops. So I'm thinking about like what helped you develop as a writer as well. Like were you taking workshops at that time? Were you reading scripts that you were seeing were like going going up for the Oscar and you just researched that or uh, maybe all of the above? Like I don't – yeah, how did – this is such a good question because, you know, I did study screenwriting in school and I had some basic knowledge of structure, but I'd never studied TV writing and TV structure. And I wish that I had these tools sooner because I was writing pilots. I was asking for notes. I was reading scripts. You know, I was going to Barnes and Noble and buying screenplays. Like now I just Google and I can, um, mm-hmm. you know, and I was doing that at the time too, but I was reading scripts. It wasn't really until I read John Truby, The 22 Steps of Storytelling, Anatomy of Story. Um, Mm. That book like really clicked everything into place for me. I highly recommend it in terms of story structure. And that is really a feature book, but it works for TV structure as well. Um, And then when I was on Morning Show, and I can talk more about the journey to getting staffed, but, you know, just everything made so much sense to me in terms of like, I'd never sat around a table thinking about story in this way and, and being able to build it with people. And it felt like, oh, this is where I'm supposed to be. Like this, is like everything just made like clicked and like, um, it just felt so natural for me and it was really nice. Um, and I learned so much there about story structure and drive and how to build, um, a fulfilling narrative. But it was, yeah, I think I would never took workshops. I took one pilot writing class that was not, did not give me the tools I needed. But um, that was, but now I'm actually about to start teaching at Script Anatomy, which is a great school in LA. And I've been shadowing their classes. And mm. I'm like, oh my God, I wish I had this when I was starting out because it makes it so, and I'm doing it with the, with the pilot I'm developing now. I actually ended up going and putting in all the tools and doing the Script Anatomy tools because it's like, so many people are brilliant writers, hilarious dialogue writers, have great ideas, but just are lacking the tools to make a really coherent story work simply because they didn't have the resources to go to film school. They don't have the money to take a, you know, a writing class. Um, so I highly recommend John Truby's book, The Anatomy of Story, and then Robert McPhee's book. Um, is that his name, Robert McPhee? Yeah, right? Sounds story. good. Sounds right. The name of the book is Story. I'm pretty sure it's Robert McPhee or McKee. Um, those are the two best books that I recommend. And if you can't afford to take a class, like I think script anatomy legit, I know I'm teaching there, but like seeing the tools that they give to their students and seeing the way it's helped these students and has helped me, I think they're, they're great. Um, and yeah, I wish that I had known those like sort of structure secrets sooner because everything just clicks into place Mm -hmm. once you do. It's Robert McKee. Yeah. Yeah. That was good. (laughs) Fact check. Um, okay. Okay. That's a lot. That's great. <sighs> so, yes. R- r- structure and learning by doing, learning by being certain. Yeah, learn yeah. <laughs> You're checking your hair. <laughs> yeah, I literally did check my hair. I was like this one bang. Me. I was like how's it? Um, 
yeah, I mean, I learn by experience, but 100%. I think I think that's a bit. I think uh, I think that's the best way to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's all the above. I assume it's it's um. You write mm-hmm. just to get used to that process. Whether you're doing it perfectly structurally right or yeah. whatever, you're experimenting with dialogue. You're trying to condense your your act. Whatever you're. Mm-hmm. And then the overall structure, the big picture aspect, and then you go and you take a workshop and then you apply that, you get new lessons, then you come back and you write some more with those new lessons applied, and then you learn something new from a book, that whole back and forth. uh, This is tennis. This is a... Absolutely. (laughs) I mean, I think the reason why I became such a better writer um, after getting staffed and after, you know, just every year I think I'm a better writer, but the reason why I think it happened was not that I became a better it's not that I all of a sudden like all of a sudden knew how to write had funnier dialogue had smarter ideas had better premises it's simply that I understood how to properly build a story and I just under had the tools of understanding structure and understanding the ways in which to think about story that would on a professional level meet basic requirements and uh, from an audience's perspective be satisfying narratively like and it's all just basic story structure stuff that no one told me Mm -hmm. yeah it's lovely okay so we can rewind a little bit to um all the writers out there watching wondering about like how do i get stuffed on the morning show ally what do i do (laughs) <laughs> this that's is their voice. that's how they sound yeah um getting staffed is so hard like it's just it's so hard these days especially with the way that the assistant you know so many shows don't get picked up for more seasons and so assistants have such a harder time moving up the ladder and with all of these um you know workshop like the w w I was going to say WNBA. WNBA. <laughs> How do I join WNBA, the WNBA, Writers Workshop and CBS. Like there's all of these, you know, if you don't right. get into one of those, it's really hard to get staff because all of the staff writers are pretty much funneled through those programs now to save the mm. studio's money. So um, all that being said, my journey was that I had a background as a journalist. I worked as a journal. I went to Columbia Journalism School. At, I did the Columbia Publishing course. And then I was a journalist at BuzzFeed News for two years. Um, after BuzzFeed, I went to work at a Comedy Central show called The Opposition with Jordan Klepper, and I was a producer for that show, traveling the country, directing and producing the correspondence segments. Um, so I had this very specific skill set that The Morning Show wanted. I had a background in journalism, and I also knew how to produce on set, and I knew how the grind of working in a daily show it was not a daily morning show. It was a daily late night comedy show, but I understood that mm. schedule. I understood the grind. I understood what it was like to go film a segment. Um, and they wanted that for the character, for how to write the character and how to write the show. Um, that coupled with a sample that I had that was about sexual assault and about, um, and the, when I saw him again, the short film I made, that the content was similar. I, I, I even wrote a scene for morning show that was very similar to a scene I'd already written and shot and directed and um in when I saw him again so I was sort of just this like perfect match for the show um they wanted someone who could write the show within the show content so anytime they're telling the news on screen they wanted someone who could write that news and we actually needed to go 
on set and produce those segments. So they wanted to have a writer who ended up being me who could go produce those on set. So it was... It's very, it's very specific, yeah. Yes. They wanted someone who had a production background, who could produce these segments, who could write the news, and who could also write in the room and write episodes and contribute to the story and be a regular writer. So I actually skipped staff writer so I could take on this role of like being a writer with these additional responsibilities. So when people ask me how to get staffed, I'm like, I don't know. I would not have gotten staffed if I wasn't the the perfect person for this very weirdly specific job. And, yeah. you know, it was hard to find someone else who had this exact background. So it was pretty much like, are they going to hire me or are they going to hire nobody and try to do this another way and produce this another way? That is That being said, my advice is stop stop pursuing your dreams at all costs and go get a hobby go get something you're good at that's not writing <laughs> um if i had not had this specific background and skill set it would have been a lot harder to break in and i think you need to know what you're good at you need to know what your skills are you, you know someone else in the room was an nbc page and she worked at the olympics so that was a really easy hire for them too the olympics are a huge part of what these morning shows cover and so they wanted someone who'd worked at nbc who knew that background and the more you can make yourself specific the more you can pull something from your background pull you know something that's uniquely yours um the i think the easier it will be life experience and um you know not that journalism is uniquely mine there's probably tons of other writers who are journalists but the more you can do to differentiate yourself and to build um a niche for yourself i think the better yeah being more than just one thing right yeah yeah that's yeah how what about the aspect of um once how how did you find out about the position in the first place how did or were you yeah were you looking for were you trying to land on to you were you pursuing i'm assuming you were pursuing tv writing at that point so you were keeping an eye out for opportunity or were you you after i got the comedy central job i got an agent and Mm. um i loved working as a field producer on the opposition i did become aware that this was not the end goal for me and it was not fulfilling me in the way that i knew being on a narrative show would that's really the favorite my favorite thing is working in narrative um so the dream was to just staff on a tv show and my agent submitted me for the show love it that makes sense agents i forget those are a thing well, I mean, it's it's tough if you don't have an agent. It's really, really hard. And honestly, a lot of people who do have agents, they don't do shit. And it's also really, really hard. Yeah. So it's always, you always have to be the one fighting hardest for yourself. Yeah. It's always hard. But it is easier if you have an agent. I mean, I can't, I can't, but it's, I can't yeah. sit here and say that's not true. Yeah, yeah. Love that. I'm looking at my notes. Yeah, note away. <clears throat> I'll look at my phone too. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um... Okay, I know this was referenced, and this is a writer aspect. I don't. Okay. In uh, this is semi included in the pitch for the workshop, but it's uh, more of a vague thing. I just wanted to ask about on an opinion. On Do you mean my yoga and writing retreat? The, yes, the yoga okay. and writing retreat. I keep calling it a workshop. No, workshop is fine because I will be doing writing workshops on it. Okay. I just wanted to make sure I knew You're what clear. we were talking about. Okay, so you um, talked about 
Uh, finding thy voice, finding your voice, and using your voice. I guess I wanted to expand on what that means, I guess, from like the writer's perspective, potentially, on um, how... I mean, this is almost feels like a, a like a life journey thing too. As a, again, speaking on the human experience, on finding like who you are and what you have to offer the world and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And then there's the niche of how that translates into a writer voice, and then even just knowing that, and then how to apply it, it seems like a whole other next step. But um, what does um, it's a, I feel like it's a dumb question, but in terms it's not of not a uh, dumb question. No, a dumb question. <laughs> my question was going to be how. What do you think? What is what does finding your voice mean to you? Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to talk about finding your voice. What does finding your voice mean to me? Um, I think ultimately it's so linked to judgment. We have so much fear of judgment for when we release something to the world, how it will be perceived. And so much of that fear prevents us from writing authentically. Um, Even when you get to the professional level, it's what will sell. This won't sell. Nobody wants this. You know, you're always thinking about how, how the world will receive this thing. And then, so there's that judgment. Then there's your own judgment. You write on the page and you think, oh, this sucks. This is stupid. This isn't, this isn't good enough. You're constantly judging your own work. And when you're early in the stages of writing, I think, and I, by that I mean when you're more of an aspiring up-and-coming writer, at least when I was one, I was constantly thinking about what's my voice? How do I find my voice? How do mm-hmm. I differentiate myself? How do I know who I am? How do I know what an Ali Vingiano video is like, and I felt paralyzed. I was felt like I couldn't make anything until I made that decision. And I think for some people that works, like Broad City, they were doing the Broad City web series and they were like, Alana Glazer, like, you know who Alana Glazer is and she's going to show up and she's going to be that. And like, she made that choice and she went for it. What I discovered was that the best way to find your voice is to not, to release yourself of the judgment. And to just write as much as you can and release as much as you can and then look at everything you've done and say, what is the thread that connects these things? Like, okay, everything I write is going to have elements of humor in it, but it's also going to be poignant and it's going to be led by honest human emotions and comedy is going to be second to that instead of writing comedy first. And um, that's something that I do. And that doesn't mean it's right, but that's something that's unique to my voice. And so I think that releasing ourselves from judgment creating and then going back and looking at it and even just making a list of what are 10 things that this piece of writing has in it and how can I pull these and pull these out and which one of these do I like the most and I think I think really writing from that place and um, clearly in my writing in yoga retreats (laughs) judgment is something I really focus on because I do think it really inhibits us from from writing authentically and releasing our work um which is the first step that everybody has to take so that's a little bit about what finding your voice means to me and i think it also is an ongoing process Mm -hmm. that you can constantly be redefining yourself and not limiting yourself based on that idea an evolution yeah Mm -hmm. okay that sounds nicely put that was great thanks (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um yeah 
I think it's just there's so much pressure to find your voice. And so I think that's why it's something I'm interested in exploring with people. Mm -hmm. Um, And for some people, they do have a really distinct voice. And for other people, they're not really sure what it is. And I I also suggest like improv. Like improv was so helpful for me because you just have to say whatever you think is funny. Like, you know, you don't have time to think about it. So you slowly get to figure out, oh, these are the things that I think are funny. These are the ways that I respond to things. Like, and anything you can do like that's really helpful. Yeah, improv is scary for sure. Mm -hmm. Ooh, okay. I had a great thought in there somewhere. Okay, no, yeah, I remember. Not that this is a, it's, it's a great thought. All right, so... Um, I like the, it makes perfect sense that you would be uh, leading such um, a um, exercise, uh, <clears throat> being that you do have the background of directing and producing, uh, I feel like it's it's very in line with that position because that's kind of the job of like a writer, director, producer is you and especially in like the early stages of, of, of new artists and stuff like you're putting people in a position to be themselves and to pull out the best of them and like make them comfortable with who they are and then um, putting that on screen or, or, or whatever so it's the same exact thing of just offering that confidence to um, helping a writer do it. Yeah, that sounds Absolutely. lovely. Yeah, because uh, it is hard to. You know, I I know I I know twenty twenty was a big year and it's twenty twenty one. I mean, it's, I'm sure it's continued. A lot of people are are it's that rediscovery phase of you, everybody had that time to themselves and it's like who am I? I've changed what do I want? so much. I feel like I'm a different mm. person than I was two years ago. Like. So I think probably a lot of people feel that way. You have to sort of rediscover the things that are interesting to you now. No pressure. No pressure. No pressure. Okay. I want to ask a couple of things. All right. <clears throat> Since we brought up the um, the retreat, uh, this feels kind of simple, but I, I'm just curious on the, that's the whole cell of the retreat, but it's the, the combo of, it's kind of like three elements. It's the writing workshops led by you. And then you brought the awesome yoga instructor out to, so it's kind of like a back and forth combo of yoga and writing. And then also pulling people out of their normal setting into a new setting. So why, how, how, how did that come about? Yeah, how and why? (laughs) Um, So it came about because I did a yoga teacher training in 2019. I've always been um, sort of obsessed with traveling. I got really lucky and was able to travel when I was a teenager alone and um, leaving the country and and exploring the world and being in a different setting. And it was such an eye-opening experience for me as it is for many people. And just having that adventure and having that, you know, um, being pushed out of my comfort zone in that way sort of made me addicted to traveling. And I hadn't left the country in 10 years. And then after morning show season one ended, I was like, I'm going to give myself Mm. this gift. And I went to Bali, (laughs) like most white girl shit. I went to Bali alone for a month (laughs) to do yoga. And I also went to Hong Kong, which is incredible. And it was like right when the riots and 
protests in Hong Kong mm. were starting and it was a, a pretty stunning time to be there. But I learned so much. I was like, if I'm going to be here, I'm going to like learn some shit <laughs> and not just be sitting here watching. these. It's, protests. Al- it's almost but journalistic. It felt it. Honestly, it did feel that way. I, um, because I, I went to some of the protests and I was like filming them and I was like, this reminded me of when I was working at BuzzFeed and I would go, I went to a, a protest once at, uh, on Staten Island and I was like interviewing people with my phone and I felt very, very similar, uh, reminiscent of it. Um, and so, okay, so I went to Bali, um, did yoga for a month, just like the what it did for my soul was astonishing I and I came back and I was like I can't do what I always do which is you know let this go away I need to in, put this into my life and put this into my creative life and so I signed mm-hmm. up for yoga teacher training and for mm-hmm. six months I did 200 hours of yoga teacher training and learned so much and through that and th- as my final project I developed this idea for writing in yoga retreats and there was actually writing in yoga retreat that I really wanted to go on and I wasn't able to go on it um, but I was like, I want to create that. Like I wanted to go in part because I was like, these two things I love the most. Perfect. And then through my yoga teacher training, I, it became clear that this was really how I wanted to use my teacher training. I didn't want to be teaching every morning in a studio, but I did want to use what I learned and, um, incorporate the things I love, which are traveling and yoga and writing and, I think being in a new space does just spark your inspiration so much being around supportive people, like being able to, um, drop your routine and like, you know, even Mm -hmm. I went to Costa Rica in August and I, with the intention of writing, I did not end up writing, but I ended up for two weeks, like cleansing my soul, doing a shit ton of yoga, surfing, like, um, unleashing so much of my stress and anxiety and fear and I came back and I wrote a feature like you know like sometimes you just need that break and sometimes you just yeah. need um I forget what your question was though why yoga and why now but yeah you're kind of why talking... now now is no, because I couldn't no, 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 do no. it after for COVID <laughs> <laughs> no I'm saying why and how but why and how? but yeah not no the now no, no well no. yoga is so I mean yoga is such a gift for creatives if you're able to um to practice and by yoga I don't mean going to a yoga class it could be meditating it could be breath work it could be just sitting here and taking a breath like we did like yoga incorporates all of that and I think there's this sense of it in LA in particular is this very like oh like yoga like you know like more trendy very very trendy like there's a whiteness subscribed to it that's like totally not only problematic because it's an eastern practice but like it just like it's very it's very like gross um the way that i think a lot of people think of yoga in la in reality yoga is something that is so powerful for people who've experienced trauma who have disassociated from their body who need to drop back down into their body who um and so many of us are living in trauma in ways that we don't even realize and yoga is so powerful in terms of confronting that and that's a huge part of what got me into it and then I did a trauma-informed practice, um, and I think that it is, like, if you are able to practice and if you are a creative person, it can do so much to allow you to be present in yourself, to break free of all of the fear and the doubt and the external constant stimula- stimulations of our world that are preventing us from believing in ourselves and living up to our full potential. So we talked earlier about how hard it is to release your work. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so many people have great ideas and then just sit on them and never make them. And I think that practices that you can do to recenter yourself and to um, build some confidence mm-hmm. and self-esteem and belief in yourself are so crucial in this day and age to the creative okay. process. I love it. I'm assuming. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming through the retreat, like there, you, people will, will come back with the idea. Uh, I don't know. I'm assuming that there's a lot of stuff to pick up to take forward with you to help through these. Um, so it's not just a, oh, totally. yeah, that's the whole, that's yeah. the whole deal. It's not. Yeah. yeah. And it sounds like intense the way I'm talking about it, or I'm like, yoga is so crucial to creativity. And it's like, it's not even like an intensity. <laughs> it's just like, it's nice. Like it's nice to go relax somewhere and it's nice to go right in a different location. Like, you know, there's people going on the retreats who are my, who are my peers, who are, I have nothing to teach them. They're staffed TV writers, but they want to go just to work on their pilot. And like, then I have two other students actually who are very, you know, aspiring writers and they do want to do the workshops and I'm going to do, Mm. I'm going to give them notes on their work and work through that with them. But beyond that, just tools that they can continue working with, um, both in terms of like story structure tools, but also just things that they'll learn from meditation and yoga and practices to... um, hopefully they can carry with them forever yeah it's lovely i don't think you sounded like the uh the military <laughs> okay it's like i'm taking a lot of intensity to this <laughs> sounded chill to me <laughs> cool 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 but now i'm scared no i'm just kidding um okay love i love your lincoln park <laughs> um what is this lincoln park it's bottom vinyl? right yeah my vinyl it's hybrid theory Hell yeah my favorite band of all time really yeah Yep, grew up with Lincoln Park. Uh, got into them in high school. No, I guess just since you brought it up, I don't talk about them often enough. Uh, the thing I like most about them is they're they were a band of. Um, most people think of them for this album for Hybrid Theory. You think about like in the end. You think oh, about crawling. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, those are the big ones off this track, and then off of their their follow up Meteora, you hear about Numb. But I, th- they have like seven albums um, before Chester uh, passed away. But oh. yeah, he committed suicide. Oh right, and isn't he the one who like was always singing about how he was really depressed and like no one? Really yeah. Well, uh, Mike Mike Shinoda here, uh, he's the main writer. He yeah. writes the lyrics, but he's the performer. So of course he still has to channel all of that, and he, right. he he does it authentically because experiences. But regardless, so, I. Lo- I loved I love their evolution of um you know they're like you were saying like you know you get you get tired of making the same thing over and over again so Lincoln Park everybody go listen to Lincoln Park <laughs> um okay uh let's see what else we got we only got three more out all right um okay yes you brought this okay jeez figure your thoughts out Eddie. Yeah, we only got 10 more minutes. <laughs> um, you mentioned travel. Mm-hmm. I, this is, uh, I'm, I am not a person who respects the, I want to, I want to travel more, mm-hmm. it, but that's a newer thought that I've had. Like I, I, 
not I'm not really sure I saw the benefit of travel as much. Like I had been to like Indonesia once before. Mm-hmm. Um, I spent a month there pre- previously, and I went to like Mexico once for like a week or something. But and like around the country what a bit. What brought you to Indonesia? Uh, I was dating a girl uh, in college, and her she was Indonesian. Her family was so she was, she was going back for like yeah a month in the summer, and I'm like, yeah. oh, I'd love to go. It'd be awesome. Yeah. So I had, yeah, I had built-in uh, built home, and they we went all over to, like, Jakarta and Bali awesome. and all that cool stuff. So that was lovely. Um, but I'm usually the type of person who, who needs somebody to pull me somewhere because mm-hmm. of their excitement of being there. And like, like, even for the retreats, like, you love the place and the things we're doing is stuff that you love, which excites me. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I want to experience that. Yeah. But prior to that, I'm like, I don't, I don't have any ambitions to go to Costa Rica. Uh, but, but now I'm like, oh, that sounds like, I want to go to Costa Rica for sure. So I'm very influenced on the travel aspect. Mm. Like if I'm there with somebody yeah. who's going to love it, then I leverage, I lean on that. But I do want to, because you've traveled alone, mm-hmm. which is awesome. And I know like one place on my bucket list this, this year is, uh, I've never been to New York City. Awesome. Um. I've rekindled relationships uh, within my family because I grew up away from family, kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents, we moved away from the bulk of my... So either either way, I have a cousin in New York and I want to go uh, uh, pointing. Um, so either way, what I was going to ask is, uh, this is another... Um, I just need a little bit of reaffirming when I ask this from you for some reason because I feel like you might be able to give me some good words. What is the, I don't want to ask it in this way, but like not the best way of travel, but what are the best things to pull away from a travel experience or how do you, how do you do it with, uh, if I'm going to go somewhere, how much time do I go? Do I, should I, do I plan? Do I not plan? Do I outline a thing and wing it? Like, I don't know. I would say outline a thing and wing it. Mm-hmm. Like, I think have if there's like a few things that you're like, I re- I'm going to New York City. I want to go to the Statue of Liberty. I want to go eat pizza at Joe's or like whatever it is. Like pick your five must do things mm-hmm. and then just wing it. And I think the best part of traveling alone, at least when I started doing it from a young age, it was the idea that I could do whatever I wanted and that I was the person to make the choices Mm -hmm. for myself, which was not always the experiences that I had. Mm. So the fact that I could wake up and think, what do I want to do? You know, not like, well, I guess I'll do that because my friends want to do it or like, well, I have to do that, you know. Um, And just listening to yourself and listening to your body and trusting yourself. And I think you gain a lot of confidence traveling alone because you're like, oh, shit, I can do this. I can get off an airplane in the middle of, you know, wherever you are and get myself to a hotel and go get dinner. And like just the basic things that um, maybe you're you're afraid to do before you leave. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I think it depends on where you're going. But every time I've tried to plan something too much, you just have too many expectations Mm -hmm. for what you – what should happen and then if things don't go to plan it's disappointing and then you know you just have to you know like every it's murphy's law which i believe in on film sets and i believe it with traveling which is that anything that can go wrong will go wrong or everything that can go wrong will go wrong so just like you have to just take it with a grain of salt and be a little laid back and allow your schedule to be a little open i think sounds chill sounds great i'll report back uh where are you looking to what uh, where do you want to go next you've been travel you've traveled you've you've been around the world a bit what's what are what's your top what's your next top uh 
destination. Yeah. Well, it's more like repeats actually right now. Oh. I'm, I'm going to go back to Costa Rica to do the retreat, which I can't wait. And there's still spots available. Um, I think there's four. And um, then I'm trying to go to Italy to do another retreat in September. And then in December, I would like to try to plan a trip to Ghana. A similar style retreat before we... Is that the idea? Or? Italy is a similar style retreat, except it's more, you know, Costa Rica is more adventuring. We're going to go surfing. We're going to go zip lining. We're, you know, it's in the jungle and right. it's a little more adventurous. And Italy is going to be... Food. Food related. So it's, we're going to be on an organic farm. Oh. We're going to go to a vineyard and spend a day drinking wine and, you know, wine tasting. And it's going to be in Tuscany and it's just going to be relaxing. Um you know, going to the pool, drinking wine, eating pasta, going to town, and um, a different vibe. Yeah, sounds great. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, repeat, repeat. Sorry, I cut you off. You said Ghana. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. But I, uh, <laughs> okay, I have, uh, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. But I'm trying to plan a trip for December, and um, yeah. And you've never been to Ghana before? I have been to Ghana. Okay. Um, uh, I was the first place I ever left the country. Actually, was was, was Ghana, and um, I was sixteen, and I stayed. You know, I, I've talked about it actually on a couple podcasts recently. I was doing a podcast, and they were like, "So when you were in Ghana?" And I was like, "What? Like, how do you know I went to Ghana?" I guess I wrote about it once, but um, yeah. And I don't really totally believe in these programs anymore, where you like send kids to do community service around the world. Although, like, I've looked into Habitat for Humanity and some of these programs, but um, a lot of them are just like weird not like full-on colonial like like imperialism but like a little bit like do these 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 places actually need these resources or are you doing this right. for the kids who are on the program and i think you do have to do a little bit of a deciphering of which programs are actually good for the community and which are not and um i do think that the one i did veered on the side of good for the community but still i have problems with it and now as an adult but i am one of the things that i am grateful for is that we stayed with, with families in this town, Bremen town near Cape Coast, Ghana, and I'm still in touch with my family. And I just talk, you know, I talked to my brother on WhatsApp and my homestay sister. And so I've been talking to them and I'm trying to plan a trip back to, to visit that the, the them and th their family um, who I haven't seen in 16 years. And, you know, we've just stayed in contact with on social, on Facebook and Instagram and mm -hmm. all of that and WhatsApp. Um and I think it would be really, really special to go back and sort of process that experience as an adult and also yeah. get to meet these people who, you know, I've only really ha known. I know through my memories and I know through talking, you know, saying happy birthday on online. But I, I would love to get to know them as an adult. So that those all of my trips this year that I'm hoping to take are places I've already been. But um, I think there's something really special yeah. about that, too. Well, yeah. Well, you you said already at some point here that you are a whole different person than you were even just two years ago. So, if it's been ten plus years since you've been to a spot, like that's that's a big change. Yeah. Wait, I think I said sixteen years. Yeah. Yeah. Is that right? Did you say sixteen? I don't know. I mean, you said sixteen. Oh yeah, 16, you're right. You're right. So Six, I, I think it has been sixteen years. So I I just said ten plus to be safe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, no, no. But I was like, sixteen can't be right. And then I, I just did horrible math. I think it is. Oh, that's right. You skipped math. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the rule of thumb I heard is don't do math uh, live. Is uh, smart man. That's just so. Once you think about mathing, you just stop. Okay. <laughs> but sixteen sounds good. Either way, that's a long time. And I know, I know, I've 
even just growing up, because like I said, like I grew up in New Mexico and I visited a couple times, like scattered here in the, you know, every five years or so. And every time is so different. Mm -hmm. So it's always an experience, which I hope you get to do all this stuff. It'll, so Italy is this year too. All right. Nice. Dang. Very cool. I mean, it all depends, right? On like, <laughs> if, I, if I'm on staffed the then. And oh. On, oh, I am the world. Absolutely. I mean, if we're at war, <laughs> but we'll, um, we'll get there. Hopefully we won't ever. No, not to war. Oh, okay. But yes, hopefully, yeah, um, you know, schedule schedule permitting, those would be okay. the trips that I would it's take. It's a great segue for my next question. Morning show is done, right? It's not, no, Morning show is not done. They renewed it for season three. But you are not coming back. But they are sweeping house. So they got a new showrunner. Basically what happens is once in a while shows decide that they need to take the whole thing in a new direction. Okay. Um, well, actually, I think... That's not exactly what happened. Our, I think it was our showrunner's choice. But actually, nothing I'm saying is true. Or, I mean, nothing I'm saying should... I don't know what's public knowledge. There's so nothing I'm like, official. Nothing, nothing official. Um, the, but the moral of the story is that they're sweeping house. So everyone is gone from Morning Show who worked on the first two seasons. And they're bringing in a whole new team. Um, and I'm excited to see what they do with it, to be honest. And I'm excited to, to start working on new things and... Um, I think, yeah, I think it's when, like I learned so much from it and now I get to move on. 100%. I mean, that sounds great. Two two full seasons and then it seems like you got plenty going on anyway. you got plenty of plans up in the air regardless. So, um, okay. So, yeah, you're regardless, you're moving, you're moving forward from your experience at the morning show. Yeah, I guess I was going to ask what's next, but you kind of don't. Yeah, so you, there's no official landing place currently and you're kind of hope man you're kind of up in the air currently you're a uh, gun for hire if you will or? yeah i'm i'm starting to submit for staffing nice. and um, i have a feature actually that i'm Ooh. working on making Ooh. my first feature as writer director um i have a production company i'm working with and we're um taking it out to try to get financing now so we'll see can we um, talk about that at all or i think you... we can talk about it a little bit okay. not in detail but what do you want to talk about? <laughs> um i mean i i will say i can talk a little bit about the process of trying to make an indie film sure. um you know, I made this one, so Run and Gun, The End of Us, um, with no money, and now I'm trying to make one properly with a proper budget with, a, you know, fi finan indie financiers, and it's a, it's a totally different process. Uh, is this the feature you referenced earlier where you went and you cleansed your soul in Costa Rica and then you came home? Cleansed your soul. That's such a cringy way to say it, isn't it? <laughs> what I mean by that is just that we get really caught up in our lives and sometimes you need to be reminded of what's actually important in the world and no, it feels we, like uh, a bath we, for your soul. Yeah, we know what you meant. I'm just, I'm just teasing the... I think um, cleansing no, that soul. was a different feature. Okay, so you came I back. I wrote this one right. for three years ago, and I've been trying to make it for probably two years. So it's the longest. Trying to make an indie feature has been the one okay. of the hardest mo things in my career. Okay. That kind of tracks. Because I'm trying to remember when we first met. Mm -hmm. It was probably because I was trying to make this movie. Yeah. Because I remember, yeah, you were talking about. Make, I don't know. Go well, we first it. met because I was doing the director's close-up because I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to direct a movie this year and I need to learn. And I've done it ever since. Um, and then we were about to take the film out to get financing and COVID happened. And my agent was like, do not take this film out now. Nobody will buy it. We ended up still soft pitching it to some places. And they were like, yeah, no, we're not making a, you know, $3 million drama. Like, we have to make huge budget things or whatever. You know, not – I don't know. The budget of mine is not – Satin three million. I just mean like we're not gonna make a small drama. We're gonna make 
a big uh, Liam Neeson movie. Like, because that's the only thing we can rely on in this marketplace. Mm. So mm. basically I had to put that on hold for a whole year. 2021, we cast the film and with the two female leads and um, got a production company attached before actually we first got a production company attached then we cast then we got they paid for a casting director then we cast it and now we're taking it out to financiers so it's been years of my life and I wrote this script so long ago that I actually now feel so detached from it it benefits me as a director because I feel less connected to the writing and I have less of that writer like oh no but I love this scene and I get to direct it from a point of view of like well the scene's actually like what's this doing for the story? Or like, why do we need this extra location? You know, I get to think of it with a more critical brain, even though I wrote the script. So I do think the time has benefited me in that way. It's been very soul crushing in a lot of other ways. Sounds about right. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Uh, with uh, writing a thing and then three years later, still looking at it and you've done a lot since then. So I'm sure it's, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Indie. All right. So the objective here is to direct uh, your so your feature film directorial debut. Um, you're not acting in this one. Or... I think I would give myself a part, but I'm okay. not the lead. I'm not. You'll, I'm neither of the female leads. You'll no. pop up somewhere. I'll pop up and maybe I'll say a line or two. Sounds great. Yeah. Love that. Um, okay. What else about the indie? Pro- okay. I don't know what to ask about the front. It's okay. We've been talking for an hour and a half. I think we're probably good. <laughs> let me just see if there's any burning of questions course, before course. I let you leave. Of course. No, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> to talk about Lincoln Park. Oh, I got to. I got to plug my writing and yoga retreat. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I thank thank you for being here so much. It's of course, it's we've been trying to do this. You know, we've been talking about doing this for about I don't know a year on Instagram. So we finally made it happen. All right, I'll keep the topic slider here. I do want to... What did you say here, Billy? Okay. I liked how you used the term slaps. This is this is dumb. I'm not, that's not a topic to talk about. Because you were talking about how you're a multi-hyphenate. Mm. And um, that when you have the opportunity to focus on one thing, that, oh, it slaps. that slaps. It is really <laughs> nice to... I, I honestly thought I was... Um, a better like I was I thought I was better when I was doing multiple things and in some ways Mm. I do think that is the case Um, but being able to act and not think about directing was a gift I did not expect because I'm always acting and then I'm like still with my directing brain I'm still thinking of like wait let's change the shot like you know and I'm and it's nice to really let go and let someone take that yeah control over yeah I agree with very vulnerable that sounds yeah (laughs) very vulnerable (laughs) I thought you were saying it as a joke. No, no, it's very vulnerable to just fully be present as an actor and um, not think about what you're look, what you look like, not think about, um, yeah, not judging yourself in that way. I, you know, mm-hmm. I used to watch every take I did because I was directing, mm. and I, when we made the end of us, I didn't watch anything. I wasn't even, they wouldn't even let me watch take. Yeah, you trust it. It makes you really have to just let go. Yeah, love that. I also love the uh, the the cake scene in that one too. That little bit was fun. That was that was cute. The little baby cake. Yeah. All right. What else do I got before <laughs> scrolling through? Look at all my notes here. I got a lot. I got a lot of notes here. We Thank have, you for doing such thorough research. Uh, we got ten more top. I'm just oh. <clears throat> uh, 
Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. All right. I think I'll just ask. This will be our final one. I want to keep And we can go all day. No, it's fine. No, it's fine. It's good. I don't want to talk about Ukraine. I don't want to. I don't know. (sighs) Do you have anything? (laughs) I guess I don't. We don't. Okay. This is. It's topical. Mm -hmm. um, And it's interesting. And it's a crazy world we live in. Um, and I know it's weird because we're like in Los Angeles over here living creative lives and we see stuff on our, on our feeds and stuff and that's just weird. And, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't really know how to process it or what I'm supposed to be, you know, but that's a, that's a thing. Yeah, no, it's very hard to process. It's really, really disturbing and tragic and it's just also tragic because the United States, you know, we are so often the cause of tragic things happening in the world with our constant imperialism and, um, you know, need to control everything. And so it's specifically weird looking at things, I think, through an American eye for me sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just hoping we don't get involved. Yeah. I know that I've been um, mostly contextualizing it through a script supervisor friend of mine who lives in New York. She's from Russia so she has a lot of family there, and she's she's definitely got her. She's resharing all the stuff and yeah, I'm kind sure of that's helping it's contextualize, like like yeah, what's going on and all that. So that's how I'm doing it. But I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't want to end on that. What I want to end on <clears throat> is uh, you had there was an article written. You were interviewed at some point about um. I think this is this is maybe BuzzFeed days, but uh, that you were you're creating a lot of pieces um, based on the experience of uh, what it means to be a millennial woman. Mm. Um, Those were the words that Nylon used. Right, I have never correct. said I'm creating things about being a millennial woman, but I think yes, I Nylon wrote an article about me a few years ago. Thank you, Nylon, and they the headline was like right. Ali and Jan is creating videos that say mm-hmm. you know show what it means to be a millennial woman. And yeah, that's I guess that was their interpretation of yeah. of your your stuff. It's not a question. Are you? What's the question? No, 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 no. Do I There's do no, I no. Uh, do I approve of the headline? <laughs> no. I was surprised, you're, you're, but I was like, sure, I guess if that's how you see it, I'll uh, okay. Yeah, it makes sense. I did read the first couple sentences of the thing. No, I, I don't. <clears throat> No, I don't know. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> You've done 57 episodes of this? <laughs> I'm a pro. I'm a pro. But yeah, no, I like to uh, I like to backtrack and second guess mid-question. It's classic. We're in LA. We have to have some, you know, the writer, artist, filmmaker, director, and security. Yeah, 100%. We don't need to. We don't need to pretend to be something that we're not. All right. <laughs> okay. So I think that's kind of. I think that's kind of it. Like I'm pretty good. I think I'm happy. Great. Yeah. I. I guess I'm just uh, excited about like what you got coming next. I know I'll be keeping the loop with you Thank on this you. whole feature endeavor. Thanks. I don't know what timelines look like in that world. I feel like it's indefinite. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's tough. But like I, you know, I hopefully this year will, um, will make it. And if not, I think you know the TV world is so yeah popping yeah. right now. 
and I would love to, if not, you know, sell it as a TV show maybe or, or just staff again on another show. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm excited to see what's next, too. I really don't mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, okay, I'll, I'll backtrack to our first meet, our first uh, when we met each other. I feel like I, I don't recall 100% or if I'm even rem- remembering this correctly, but you, were you into potentially... Do you make small stuff anymore, or are you trying to like the feature is the next thing, and and you don't want to do it? I mean, this is a great question because I almost made a short film last year, and then I hesitated, and then I didn't. Um, and I am still sort of compelled to like. I think I'll give my uh, you know I obviously would rather make a feature. <laughs> sure. Um, but I. I'm not opposed to making small stuff anymore. It's still really rewarding and fun and great. And um, it's just that I've been wrapped up in trying to write and trying to pitch stuff and, you know, working on the feature has been like a surprising amount of like meetings of like casting and like which financier should we go to? And like, you know, like the agency that's selling it, like there's just a lot of different moving parts. But um, I do want to make, I do want to make something this year. So whether or not it's the feature Mm. or short film, I definitely um yeah, yeah i would like to do that gotcha so yeah you might gauge on like well if it's not happening we'll, we'll do this yeah we'll do yeah. you'll do you'll figure something else out <gasps> great okay that's our show everybody <laughs> thank you guys for watching um i'm ali vangiano <laughs> yes where can people you're on ig as oh yes i'm on ig as the real ali vangiano and i'm um yeah, my yoga retreats are uh, Right and Flow Yoga on Instagram or rightandflow.com. Um, and I think that's really it. I don't really use Twitter anymore, mm. but I am on Twitter at Ali Vangiano. And um, yeah. Lovely. Okay. Bye, everybody. Oh, 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 oh.